you've just got to show people, even if you, even if you, you know, go in and talk to them. And if they still don't want to support you and what you're doing, you just keep looking because there'll always be someone. Hello again, folks. Welcome to another episode of In Melbourne Last Week. My name is Ivan Pugioni. My guest today has a very interesting story. His name is Michael Marshall, and he's a voiceover artist. You're probably thinking, yeah, he's a voiceover artist, so what? The thing is, he was born completely blind. I was really blown away by his story growing up and uh, what he went through to get to where he is today. We talk about that as well as how he reads and edits his voiceovers. Yeah, he edits them as well, <laughs> which is amazing. And he impersonates some of his favorite voices to do as well, which is always very funny. It was an incredible conversation and someone like me who is an aspiring voiceover artist who has done some work but wants a bit more, I got a lot out of it and I'm really glad I was able to speak to Michael. He gave me a lot of good tips and yeah, thanks for the chat, mate. It was very good and uh, I hope you enjoy your episode. And I hope you as a listener get a lot out of this as well. It's a very inspiring story and uh, a lot to unpack. And here is my chat with Michael Marshall. On Skype with me for a lovely Sunday evening is a voiceover artist. His name is Michael Marshall. How are you, Michael? Pretty good. Pretty Pretty good. good. Yeah, you having a good night? Yeah, I'm a great night. Yeah, you're you're, sitting here. Sitting here, warm, hot. (laughs) It's hot here. It's hot? You you have the heater on, do you? Or? Not, no, not hot here. It's just humid, sticky wind, the humid stickiness that just comes in and I wish there was some breeze, actually. <laughs> Maybe open a window. Yeah, that's what I've just done. Oh. The crickets are chirping in the background. Oh, that's always beautiful. You might hear them on the mic. <laughs> well, I don't know on this one, but I hope so. hope so. <laughs> See how we go. <laughs> Um, so, Michael, I did mention in the uh, in the introduction of this episode that you are a, a voice actor, like I did mention before. But you have uh, something very interesting. You are um, actually blind. Um, yeah, totally blind. Blind so, as a bat. <laughs> so, were you were you born uh, blind or? Yeah, uh, I, I was born. <clears throat> well, sorry, my uh, birthday was meant to be on the thirteenth. Was uh, meant to be the eleventh of March, eighty seven. But I came out on December thirteenth, eighty six. Oh, right, okay. Um, really premature, so I had uh, – my skin was transparent, head the size of a tennis ball and oh. died about three times. Oh, goodness. And so what they used to do then, and they still do it now, although they've come a long ways, when you were born that early, they'd basically pump you full of oxygen, you know, because obviously your lungs aren't developed, you can't breathe. And so they did that um, – and I was put into a humidity crib, like a sort of incubator thing for those that don't know, mm. um, at the Queen Victoria Hospital, which is now long since been demolished. Right. And um, basically, it affected my retinas at the back of the eyes. So when uh, when I got home, uh, I was in there for three months, you know, I had to stay there until full term. And when they got me home, and I was still very small, having to wear cabbage patch kids' dolls clothes. I was that small. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, anyway, a few weeks later, firstly, mum realised I wasn't really looking at her. And the second thing, and quite alarming, is that I was screaming in pain, which... Yeah, of course. Probably not the most nice thing for a baby to be doing, so... No. They got me in the car, and we were living in a... We were living in um, South Melbourne at that time, or was it Albert Park? Yeah, it might have been Albert Park, South Melbourne. And they jumped me and they rushed me in the car to the hospital. And mum said to the doctor, you know, he's not looking at me, he's screaming in pain. Right. And this nice doctor turns around and goes, 
you stupid woman, don't you know he's blind? <laughs> Goodness. Well, <laughs> so blunt. <laughs> needless to say, um, mum was a bit upset about that. Oh, I could imagine. And she went and got my father. Now, my father, um, my father, who I'll discuss a bit more in a second, he um, he had bipolar. Okay. And um, it could be really good, but he had a bit of a temper. So, of course, he ran in and uh, grabbed this poor doctor and was screaming at him about, what did you say to my wife? Oh, not my wife, so my fiance, because they weren't married. Sure. What did you say to my girlfriend? You know, how dare you speak to her like that? And it turns out I had glaucoma, which, for those that don't know, is a buildup of pressure in the back of the eyes. Mm. It's a lovely little condition. It feels like your eyes are being squeezed, basically. And that's usually, glaucoma usually affects people middle-aged or in their uh, senior years, right? No, no. No? It can, it can, um, can affect the young as well. Oh, a lot right. Of, a lot of people who are blind, uh, quite a few have glaucoma. Oh, right. Okay. And sometimes it can get to the point where the pressure is so bad, even for the side of that, to actually take the eyes out. Oh, goodness. Because okay. it's, it's so, um, everything's being constricted. Oh, goodness. So at that stage, I had what's called light perception. And all that really is, is that I can see the difference between the light and the dark. I can't see images. Right. I can just tell if it's dark or light, basically. And the doctors said to my mum and dad, well, we can do an operation it's 50-50. It costs $10,000. Uh-huh. I think it's about 10000 Yeah. And we can try and, because the retinas were crinkled, we can try and flatten them out, try and get a bit more vision back. It won't be perfect by mm. any stretch. And, of course, they did it, you know. I mean, I probably would as well. Yeah. And the operation failed and the retinas crumbled. Oh, goodness. Okay. Which left me completely blind with no light perception. Wow. Okay. So at the moment you have no... No vision no. perception, so you're you're completely blind. Yep, completely oh. blind. Oh wow, okay. Well, at least uh, you know you've got the the golden voice there. Um, so I try, I yeah, try. Yeah. So, how, what made you? Uh, I guess with your with your condition, I mean, what made you get into voiceover work? I think I think when I was, I mean, all kids play when they're young and act out things, and I used to, you know, like all kids like to try and do funny voices. And, you know, like I'd be sitting there with the kid, you know, pretending to be an adult police officer or pretending to do something. <laughs> and one of the things I used to love doing, in fact, it became quite an obsession that some people worried about, was taping my voice and playing it back. Okay. So I I wrecked a couple of tape recorders because I was very rough with them doing that. You know, I'd tape my voice and do really stupid sounds and play them back for the humor in it. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid. Yeah, sure. And then people actually started laughing at it. Yeah. And at first, you know, you think, and especially when you're blind, because one of the things, one of the things with anyone with any sort of disability is you tend to, uh, without trying to, without trying to sound ungrateful, there's a bit of a pitying aspect. There's a bit of a sympathetic angle. So sometimes people will say, oh, that's great. That's really funny. They don't really mean it's funny. It's just sort of like, oh, look at him. He's having a go. That's. Oh, right. So they make it sound like because of your disability, yeah, you know, they, yeah. they kind of it's encourage you and egg you on. Yeah. Yeah. It's an oh. inspirational achievement. Look at this man. Oh, right. Hey, look at this boy. But then um, my family, who are very honest, you know, we, my brother's in a wheelchair as well. He's got spina bifida. Oh, goodness. And so, you know, we've always been, I mean, people die when they listen to us. You know, it's like, he'll be, hello, Blindy, what are you doing? Oh, what are you doing, Wheelie? You know, it's just oh, the way we right. are. Yeah, you know, sure. Very, um, um, very sort of, you know, realistic. And mum treated us completely normally. 
Yeah. You know, there was no, um, there was no sort of preferential treatment. You know, it was basically, well, no, you can learn to do it yourself kind of thing. Sure. Which was quite good in, um, in I've got, of course, when you're a kid, you don't think that. No, and no. You try and you try and milk it for all it's worth. Mm. And I'm no exception. But um, as I got older, I used to love, drama was one of my favorite subjects at school. And I used to love, I used to crave the plays when I could do any voice, even if it sounded dreadful. Because I think part of I didn't like my own voice very much. Okay, right. When I was a kid, why, why do you I, why do you say that? Um, it used to it used to be really sort of high and reedy <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Yeah, sure. And I, and I wanted to sound. I used to say to my mum, "I can't wait until my voice breaks. <laughs> It'll sound so manly." <laughs> you know. So as I got older, and you know, I start and my my dad, um. He was he wasn't like a voice actor or anything, but he could do some funny things with his voice. Sure. And it got me into it. He used to impersonate there was an old newsreader. He used to do a show called Nightline on Channel Nine named Jim Whaley. Okay, no, I never heard of him. No, he's he used to be on um he used to do a national thing and he used to speak like this. Oh, and really say, deep. Uh, like John yeah. Laws kind of style. Yeah, yeah not quite like John Laws is more like this, you know. Really oh, like, yes. Uh, quite. Let me tell let me tell you what I'm saying. What <laughs> I think you're actually trying to say here. And, <laughs> and you know, Jim Whaley'd be sort of like the Prime Minister says they were rude and lewd comments by the opposition leader. Wow. And I started loving that voice. And uh, Peter Harvey, you might have Oh, heard Peter Harvey, Harvey, yes, we know Peter Harvey. You know, of course you know he <laughs> In Canberra today, the opposition leader, Bob Hawke, says the election is completely pointless. Peter, yes. Peter, <laughs> Peter Harvey, Canberra. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward great. to I'm looking forward to doing some voices with you in this interview. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a fun of, one. The way you sort of broke off, but everyone used to say to me, you know, Michael, get into radio, do some voiceovers. And you know, it's, sort of a, it's sort of a daunting, it's not as easy as that, and I'm probably what um 14 15 by the time my voice sort of finally broke mm, sure actually it broke kind of early about 12 okay uh, it got a bit it got a bit deeper so it was more like this like i've got tapes when i was 14 <laughs> and i sound like really happy it's almost embarrassing <laughs> so you were an early bloomer huh yeah <laughs> early bloomer of course you know my dad, someone's voice is dropping someone's <laughs> voice is dropping of course he didn't sing those lyrics but Something far more crude, but um, when I was about um, when I was sixteen, mm-hmm. I was in. Um, I'm sorry, I'm telling this all out of order. I'm really apologetic. Uh, that's for that, okay. You're gonna have to uh, play around. But basically, I went to the Royal Victoria Institute of the Blind as a really young kid, because mm-hmm. it's where a lot of blind people went. You know, because. You know, when you're blind, sometimes it's harder to learn things like walking and, you know, toilet training can be a bit delayed sometimes. Sure. Um, of course, I'm not, I'm just very, very generalizing here. But um, so I went there, uh, a lot of music and a lot of stuff like that, a lot of drama, a lot of using your voice. And in uh, 96, I went for a year to a school called St. Scholasticus across the road. Okay, sure. Um they did a thing called reverse integration. So basically some blind people would go there for a year and then um, some sight- a sighted class would sign up to go. They do their own work at the school, 
you know, their own classwork, you know, grade two or three. Sure. But they'd also do stuff with the blind people, like, you know, like playing around with Braille and all that, because it was thought it was very good, you know, to educate the kids and, you know, sort of teach them, you know, being blind, you know, they can do everything. They can, you know, they can play around. Hmm. And we had a really good relationship with them on that. And then, of course, um, after a year, I was living in Werribee, south, so west of Melbourne. Oh, right in the sticks. Yeah, and it's <laughs> a bit of a bit of a night. The the school Burwood uh, used to pay for cabs for us to get up to the school, but of course, as the money dro- dried up, really started to dry up in the nineties. It was a bit of a stretch now to to pay seventy dollars each way. Oh, sure. So from Burwood to Werribee. Yeah, from oh, Burwood to Werribee. Wow, it'd be a lot more these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> doubt. But, um, and it was also thought that I was ready for mainstream school. That, um, and some are not. Some, some can't cope in mainstream, and that's not a problem. You know, mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. And so they put me into Werribee Primary School down here, and I really enjoyed that. I at first I kind of struggled because, you know, the social sort of norms and the customs of you know, a normal, like a mainstream school, quite different to say the blind school. Right. So, you know, that, you know, it's just, it's a very different, it's kind of, um, it's a very different sort of environment. You know, we all talked about our blindness and not that we went on mourned about it, you know, it was, but it was a different style of conversations. Yeah. You, and you found you plunged, some humor in it, I guess. Yeah. And then, and then you plunged into a, you plunged into a school, in my case, about 400 kids. And of course, everyone wants to ask about my blindness, which I at that time was very embarrassed about. Sure. Um, and I, I flipped. I reckon for the first two years at my primary school, at Werribee Primary, I cried uh, all the time. Yeah. I was one of those really sooky baby emotional kids. I'd cry at anything. Yeah, you're you're very no, sensitive. Yeah, I got a question. You know, I get a question wrong. Like someone, uh, Michael, uh, what properties make up a volcano? I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> Did you do your homework last night? No. Well, that's uh-huh. very naughty of you, Michael. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I guess you were just a very sensitive child. Yeah, I was. Very, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd take everything to heart. Yeah. And, of course, I used to get very angry and lash out a lot and all those lovely things. Mm. Um, but I made some very good friends and at... You know, my primary school, um, one of my best friends was Keith and he was very honest with me because, you know, like people would talk to me and, you know, like I'd be talking to them and they'd be behind my back giving signals like, signals like you know, yeah, yeah, boring. And of course, I'd have no idea, you know. I thought, yeah, oh, you yeah, can't see. Talking. Yeah. And so Keith went, Michael, you know that person's doing this to you, don't you? <laughs> and of course, that, you know, when you're first like, no, they're not. And then it's like, oh, were they? <laughs> or like, you know, I'd make the long jump final in the Little Athletics Carnival. Oh, right. And um, I, Keith goes to me, you know they only made it because they said they liked your positive attitude, didn't you? And he wasn't doing it to be mean. He was being he was, honest with you. He was very honest, yeah. always. <laughs> like, you know, if I was being if I was being an idiot, he'd call me an idiot. If I was being rude, he'd call me, he'd just walk off. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of, I like that. That's why I'm still very close to him today. And so after primary school, I went back to, um, I went back to the blind school for a year at Burwood because I didn't quite know where I'd fit in. I was 13 at this stage. Mm -hmm. 
because sometimes they keep you back a year and, you know, they don't quite know where to put you, especially when you go to mainstream. Yeah. So when I was 10, so they just put me in grade three again. So, you know, I'd, you know, you end up, a lot of men are repeating at least one, uh, particularly those. Don't know about it. Don't know what it's like now. I'm a bit out of touch with the whole thing now. Sure. But um, so I went back to the Burwood and I, because um, my mum and dad aren't, weren't together. Okay. Uh, he, was living in, he was living in South Yarra. Okay. So I went to live with him and um, he was a bit difficult to get on with. Like I loved him to death, hmm. you know, but he, you know, he had, he had bipolar. Yeah, like you mentioned before, yeah. Yeah, so that made so, things difficult. He was yeah. a former uh, kickboxing champion. He was, uh, you know, pretty big, but, well, I don't know how big, you know, not Mike Tyson big, but, you know. But he, he had a, quite a bit of, uh, you know, muscle on him and he was yeah, pretty fit. Yeah. Yeah, like not, I mean, yeah, he said he was big, he's big and... Um, but we clashed a lot because I didn't like Bird when I was 14. Um, not because the people they were bad, I got on very well with them. I don't want to, I don't want anyone to think that mm. it was just that, um, a lot of the kids here there at that time had secondary disabilities. Okay. So the program was more sort of aimed to, a like a living skills kind of daily living course. And I, I wanted a bit of. I don't know, I wanted to learn a bit like, you know, history and all that kind of thing. And it wasn't the type of thing they did. You know, they were more sort of getting you ready for life. Yeah. You know, after the school and for those with the secondary disabilities, getting them, you know, getting the social skills up and, you know, whatnot. Because sometimes it can be difficult to learn social cues when you're blind. <laughs> I could uh, imagine. <laughs> I've got to say. You know, well, I'll, I'll take it from you. Like even, you know, even shaking hands, you know, a lot of them didn't do it. And luckily we had a very, very good blind teacher there named Gary Stinchcomb uh-huh. who really, you know, got us up to speed. You know, look in the person's directions when you're talking to them. And I said, why? I can't see them. So what? You look at the person, you shake their hand, don't put your head on your knees, put your head up. You know, you doesn't, I don't, don't care if you're blind. You look at the person when you're speaking to them. It's sure. good manners. Sure. You know, you, you just do it. And so I kind of, I struggled at the school because it wasn't the kind of thing I wanted to learn. I was confident in my abilities. Yeah. In the areas that they were sort of focusing on. Uh-huh. So, of course, you know, maybe clash with my father in the school and um, dad and I ended up falling out very big and not speaking. Okay. So I left at the end of that year, at the end of 2001, and went back and started at Werribee Secondary College down here. And they started me in year eight, and my dad and I weren't talking. And, of course, in uh, 2003, he died. Oh, I'm sorry to hear. Yeah, that's okay. It's <laughs> um, very, very difficult, you know, not being able, you know, not talking to him and fixing it all up, you know, before he died. So that did a lot of um, damage, you know, to mental health and all that. Uh, I could imagine. I'd, I've suffered depression and anxiety and all that sort. Yeah. So at that time I was wanting to do, I was going to try and do VCE. Okay. Um, which probably realistically when I think on it probably wasn't a good idea. Okay. Um, Is it because you, you didn't want to go to university or anything or uh, what was I your story? It, I think it was more, I think it was more, the fact that, you know, I really struggled with the stress of writing essays. I'd do them, 
one, I was a terrible procrastinator, still am. <laughs> um, the second thing was that I just, I now I think back on it, and people say, you know, do you regret not doing VCE? No, I don't. Uh, I do not regret not doing it because uh, I know I would have struggled. Yeah. And, of course, after that, I lost my drive because part of the reason, because Dad and a lot of people at uh, the school at Burwood and a lot of other places in the blind community didn't think I'd be able to make an impact at mainstream. You know, one, they told me that. So I think part of the thing that was driving me at mainstream was proving them wrong. Sure. And and so you, had was, a, you had a lot of resilience and uh, you really yeah. wanted to prove them wrong and, and uh, go ahead. Yeah. And I found out their jaws dropped when they read my first report, you know, my first end of term thing because it had, you know, what was it, eight A's and two B's or something. <laughs> and oh, I loved it. I loved hearing that. And um, my dad actually wrote me a letter in 03 before he died. Oh, right. Uh, saying, you know, I hear you're doing really well. I'm really proud. I didn't write back to him, which I regret because I was 16 and still very angry. No, I could imagine. You know, with him, you know, a lot of things. But the school was a big, you know, big thing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, you can imagine how I regretted that when he died. Yeah. You know, but I still keep the letter with, I still treasure that letter because, you know, it was the last correspondence, you know, I sort of ever had. It's a memento of your father. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't have a great deal of them, but, um, so after dad died, I really went into a slump. My work suffered. Um, I had the integration coordinator at Werribee Secondary and not. So, well, she was very nice until Dad died. Now, Dad died in a pretty public fashion. Okay. Um, he was murdered. Oh, wow. Okay. And, yeah, <laughs> wow. He was, he was murdered. And um, name was name was a bit in the papers. And, oh, goodness. Yeah, you know, because of the way he died. And there was a few, you know, things said about him and all that. I, because I wasn't, I wasn't in Melbourne at the time in, yeah. in 2003, but I could imagine those in Melbourne who yeah. probably remembered. I'm sure if they go back, they can probably put two and two together. I guess we don't, we probably won't need to talk about the details of it, but uh, no, but no, 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 no. But I, but I, um, it was a very, it was a very tragic, uh, tragic end. Yeah, very tragic end. Yeah. And some people, including this woman, turned on me a bit. I think because of the aspersions and everything cast. You know about it all because you know it was just a, it was a rotten way to die, rotten end. And she became very cold. You know she'd be dragging me into the office in 2004. He died in late 03, finished right. my exams, went home, got very depressed. Um, and I and she'd be dragging me in in the first two turns of 04. You're not working hard enough. You're lazy. And I'd be, you know, and I'd be sitting there sort of saying, well, um, of course I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to work the best I can. I'm not feeling great at the moment, not concentrating. You know, I'm barely sleeping. Yeah. Um, I had another teacher who shall remain nameless, and I'd like to say that I got on with probably 99% of my teachers at Werribee Secondary. Yeah. But there was one particular person who told me two weeks after Dad died that, you know, you're just going to move on, Michael. You're just <laughs> going to get on with it. Jeez. Which probably wasn't the best thing, but... Yeah, no sympathy, obviously. I, yeah. I don't know if it was even that. I think... I mean, I I don't want to defend him because what he, you know I don't want to defend this person because what they did was terrible. But yeah, oh, I think in their own way, let's buck him up a bit, let's guard him up. Yeah, you know that it certainly was not that to me. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so the work suffered for a long time, and I finally, due to Nathan Thompson, the Hawthorne player in Melbourne, who admitted that he had depression in mid '04, it sort of gave me the courage to come out. Yes, I do have a problem. Yeah. 
because uh, I felt ashamed that I was still grieving because I sort of thought, you know, I should be over it by now. Mm. You know, but I came out to mum finally after one long night of conversation because I wanted to quit school at that stage. And, you know, everyone's talk, don't, please don't, you know, talking me out of it, trying to cajole me out of quitting. And I finally came out, yes, I've got a problem. I'm really depressed. And mum said, well, we can put you on some antidepressants, help lift your moods and see if, you know, because it'll help your concentration a bit. Go back to counselling, which I did after dad. So I went back to that, went on the antidepressants. My marks improved, thank God. Yeah. And I came away, I got a few awards and I was really happy with that. <laughs> Especially in history because I love history. Yeah, yeah, you said that. Yeah, you loved it. Yeah. What, what kind of history? Ancient or modern? Oh, I, I love anything. Military history is probably my favourite. Okay. Um, I like the tactics and thinking about, you know, what, what a leader would be thinking about at the time or trying to visualize, I don't know, a, a battle or, but basically any history, as long as it's a good length book, I don't, I don't like those really short, you know, three hour audio books. I want a big long one that I can relax and really sink the teeth into and really read about an event, really detailed, flesh it out. Yeah. So at the end of 04, that was good. You know, I finished year 10 and I didn't, I said, no, I'm not going to do VCE. I'm going to do a sort of a TAFE kind of tradie based one called VCAL. What is it? Victorian <laughs> Certificate of Education or something or rather. Right. It's said for people that want to go into trades or not for the university types. Sure, sure. Anyway, um, that started okay. And then my computer broke down. And, oh, of course, no. for me, the computer with the screen reader, which I'll get to a bit later. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I'm, I'm sure many of us are wondering how you actually read your voiceover scripts, but you oh, can you can yes. show me that later. Oh, don't you worry. I'll show you. <laughs> Great. But, um, yeah. So the computer broke down, mm-hmm. and the particularly not nice lady who I've referred to before yeah. started saying, well, you can't do your placement. I found it very hard to get a work placement, which you had to do. Hmm. And my visiting teacher, who basically came out from – you know, um, RVIB at that time, the Royal Victorian Institute for the Blind. Yeah. And they come out and they help you with the sort of the blind side, getting adaptive technology and all that. And she said, I've got a kid, he's about nine. Well, as your placement, would you like to come and help him? Help him with comprehension, help him learn his adaptive technology. And I jumped at that because I thought, it's something I can do. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then the school started saying, um, because I couldn't type, I had no computer, so I had to tape everything. And of my very, very wonderful education aid, so our integration aid named Debbie, would write everything out for me. Yeah. As I would dictate. But then the school said, no, she doesn't have time to be writing out your stuff. Um, you're going to have to miss your placements and come in on a Thursday to do it. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, no, I don't think so. Everyone else has got a place. You're going to drag me in yeah, for two or three hours to type stuff out. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but we've brought you a computer. Yeah, a computer with a sound card that doesn't work. So <laughs> basically, you know, I went home. I made, I made the decision about a day. I went home. I said to mum, you know what? I'm, I'm out of here. I'm leaving school. Right. I was 18 at that time. And I said, you know what? I hate my classes. Yeah. I hate that I don't have a computer and that basically I've got to have someone, I've got to type with someone telling me what I'm typing essentially. Yeah. And so I just left and 
it was so good to be out. I was sad because I liked a lot of teachers there. Yeah. Like I said, 99% of them. Um, but You felt really liberated. Yeah, I felt yeah. free. Yeah. It was great just to sit there, just to sit there for a while and do absolutely nothing. <laughs> so going from, I guess, having that freedom to doing nothing, when, what point, because you were 18 when you when you left, yeah. um, what point did you start getting into voiceover? Well, not for a long time. Not you for see, a long time, I was, no? Okay. I was, I was going to do TAFE. Right. I was going to do a radio course. Okay, yeah. And I wanted to do a diploma in um, audio engineering. Yeah. But there was a video component. Oh, right. Okay. Of course, I'd struggle with that. So how did you manage and, that? Well, I didn't because okay. um, firstly, they didn't want to let me in <laughs> right. to the TAFE in 06 because I couldn't do the video component. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't get a diploma. We can, we'll give you a Cert 3 or something. Yeah. Certificate 3. Uh-huh. And um, so, you know, it was, I was arguing about that and trying to that took about a year to argue that into 07. And then I basically, um, I think everything, dad, everything else and the stress just caught up with me. And I had basically a bit of a, not a full mental breakdown. Yeah. Like, you know, in, you know, going into a clinic or something, but I basically crashed. And the way I explain it to people for about 07 to late 2017, when I looked at voiceovers, I did nothing. Yeah. I, just I basically withdrew from the world essentially because hmm. um, I, t- I couldn't face anything and I just I think it all just sort of came on top of me and I you know lost a dear friend because of my own actions I admit mm-hmm. you know seven because I was very depressed and I'm not I'm not excusing you know I you know said some awful things and that's what happens with mental health you say things and you you know, you even though you explain that you're getting help, you know you're in the path of some things you just can't take back. So yeah, I've had yeah. guests on the podcast before who do suffer from mental illness. So yeah, they yeah. Uh, they explained what they were going through, very similar to yourself. Yep, and it, yeah. and, it uh, and you know what I, I for a while I got you know you get very angry at the people when they cut themselves off, but you know I think now I'm at a point where I sort of understand. It's like well, yeah, I know you're mentally ill, I know you're struggling, but you know there are some things you just can't you know say or do or some things that you can't quite forget words do hurt they do affect now they do yeah and you know i sort of i'm sort of i'm at peace with it but it took me a long time and i think on top of everything the stress of not being able to uh you know do the tafe course and you know dad dad's always sort of a present although lately i've been quite good you know that not not fully at peace but working around it yeah so sort of i broke off from the world and just um, basically bummed around doing nothing. I <laughs> brought a house with my mother. Yeah. Um, in 20, you know, 20, uh, 2012. But, you know, everyone was saying to me, Mark, you've got to do something. You've mm-hmm. got to do something. It'll help your mental health. Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then in late 2017, one of my dearest friends, Lauren Hayes, uh, another very, very nice lady said, Michael, I've been talking to a voiceover coach named Abby Holmes. Oh, Abby Holmes. I, I know Abby Holmes. I've uh, I've done coaching with her before. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's, she's really good, I isn't she? Really like her. And Yeah, she's nice. She said, um, yeah, I've, I've read her site. She's got a, a really good website. Yeah. Nice newsletter too. A lot of, yeah. uh, lot of good facts on there yeah, as well. I lo- especially on the Facebook ones. I read all their posts and yeah. the little tips and, <laughs> um, and she goes, 
uh, looked at Oh, sorry, my microphone. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> and she said, look, go and have a look at her website. So I went on there and um, I hate calling people I don't know. I get this really nervous thing like, oh, God, they're not going to want to hear from me. It's just this thing I have. Yeah. A lot of people you know, don't like, like phones. I don't like them much either. <laughs> I, I don't. Like once I get started on a convo, but I thought I, one Tuesday morning, I just woke up and I have these sudden little bursts when I'm really scared about doing something. Yeah. And then suddenly out of the blue, I pick up the phone and I'm calling this number. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you calling this? Are you mad? <laughs> Hi. I'm unable to come to the phone at the moment. <laughs> oh, Slight relief. Oh, 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 I hate messages. What am I going to say? Yeah. And then, boop. Oh, well, I better start talking. All right. Um, oh, um, uh, hi, Abby. Um, I was talking to my friend Lauren Hayes. Um, I'm, 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 I'm my, my name's Michael Marshall. I'm, I'm blind. Um, I, I'd like to get into voice acting. Um, I've always, you know, done things with my voice. Um, if, if you could please call me back. You know, I, I really like to talk about it. And I'm really nervous that I've put down the phone. You know, I thought, oh, God, I'm never going to hear from this woman again. Mm. About an hour later, my phone rings. Right. And it was oh, her. God. Oh, yeah, it's it's mum. It's someone, you know. Hi, Abby Holmes. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> an hour later. That's not bad. About an hour later because I was lucky because she's usually so busy. She must have been very intrigued by the fact that you said that you were blind. I'm sure she doesn't get many blind uh, people who want to be voiceover artists. So I could I imagine she, she was very intrigued. I think she was. And because there's a, it comes to a thing in the blind community, some people don't want to make a big thing of their blind because, you know, people do anyway. And, they do, you know, we're completely normal. We want to do normal things. Yeah. Look, sometimes I use the blind word. It can assist me occasionally. I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah. So I thought, throw the blind in. Let's see what it does. And she said, look, I really like your voice. And I'm thinking, oh, God, she's going to want me to do, you know, um, you know, you're going to have to do beginner coaching, whatever. Mm. And then surprisingly, she says, look, I'm going to give you the name of three studios. Huh. Bang, bang, bang Bang Studios, Risk Sound in Melbourne. And uh, I'm sorry, I can't forget. the th- can't remember the third one. Mm. And she said, why don't you call them? Because um, I think you get a really good voice, you get a really nice tone and sound. So I'm calling these studios, and basically it's the same nervous thing again, you know. The nice lady at Bang Bang Studios answers the phone. And it's like, oh hello, my name's Michael Marshall. Um, and I'm th- I'm 30. How old was I at that stage? 31. And I'd like to um, do some voiceover work. And she said, you know, I'd explain to her about my disability and all that. And she yeah. said, well, look, the voice industry's hard. Oh, yeah, it is. No guarantee you're not going to get, you know, you might, you probably won't get a great deal of work. Mm-hmm. She's very honest. And I I think at first I was like, I, I liked her a lot, but at first I sort of, oh, is this a good idea? You know, and then she said, but no, we'll let you come in and you can, you know, we'll send you out some scripts and it's a perfect opportunity to jump into the screen reader sound. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I think we're all pretty curious as to how the screen reader works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, so how does it work exactly? Well, what a screen reader is, is... I'm just going to open notes. Open notes. What a screen reader is, is basically the text on your iPhone screen... Okay. ...is processed... Um, Ah, oh, how do they do it now? It's, it's sort of like, I suppose it's like analyzing the text and rendering it into speech. Mm-hmm. Okay. It comes 
through. So now I'm in my notes app, so I'm going to put the thing up to the microphone. Okay, sure. And so when I go through my notes, and it's this edit button, so I know I can edit the note, search field, so I can double tap to search there. Okay. So I'm swiping through the screen like a normal, like an iPhone user does. Okay, right. Wow. And it reads... It reads me everything on that screen. Mm-hmm. So when they send me a script, and they sent me through, I had one for Airwick, Air Freshener. Oh, yeah, Nick and Nora's nose, right? Yes. That yeah, was yeah, I heard your uh, voice reels uh, the other day. <laughs> yeah. It took me five takes, and I, thought, I, read, I read a lot of advertisements, and I go, this is stupid. Yeah, Obviously, they usually are, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, like the ones where they oh, I love the ones you know where I'm so unconvinced, but real insurance has helped me a lot. Yeah. You know, and you think, no, they haven't. Oh, you just got to, you yeah. got to sell it. Yep. Yeah. And so I'm really, so I've got a, I've just got an, it's not a script as such. So basically, I, I use the main computer for my script reading. I've got a Mac and I'm getting a new MacBook this week. Yeah, nice. Which a company has, do, has donatedly, sorry, has, has donated to you. Donated to me. Uh huh. Helping them with the accessibility of a little app they're working on. Oh, very nice. So you're, you're getting involved in the app. Yeah, helping yeah. them out, giving them, it's called Up. It's like a digital banking startup. Okay, right. And um, it's actually um, one of the people, actually a part of the company is the former um, St Kilda coach, Grant Thomas. Oh, okay. Because I was trying to fundraise for a MacBook and I was just twinning everyone. Can you share my GoFundMe, please? <laughs> you know, I really, oh God, I really need this without, I'm, I'm really desperate here. Yeah, it's for your livelihood. It's for your uh, your work, yep. your and employment. contact. And he contacted me and said, you know, I've got a proposal. Can I ring? I thought, oh, God. But luckily, you know, it's... it's they came I'm, through. I'm not going to get fully excited until the Mac's in my hand. Yeah, of course. But, <laughs> but At least so, they're coming so through a, for you. So I've got a note here. Okay. And let's see what it says here. All right. It's got... And it goes... So the first line of this note is, I'll get the screen reader to read it, and I'll go... Might be a little too quick. What it says there is, I've started to record a little project. I've started to do a little project. Yeah. I'm recording a lot of radio, Collingwood radio calls from 2010 up to the present. Okay. So basically what I do is read each line of the script that's sent to me. Okay. Record it. Make sure it sounds okay. Yep. If it's a long line, record in blocks and then edit it together so it all flows. Okay. Um, of course, in a studio like Bang Bang, I can go line by line. So Steve Renfrey, who's one of the best producers in the business, will say, okay, Michael, here's your commercial. So this is Nick. This is Nora. This is Nick. This is Nora. Uh, very good, Michael. Bit of inflection, bit less inflection. This is Nick. This is Nora. You know. So he reads the lines same. back to you and then you, yeah, then you record line them. Yeah, it's line by line. A lot of producers do it. Okay. Um, line by line reading. Okay. Um. But so, and that's how I do it with the screen reader. I'll read the lines of text with the screen reader, recite them, and, you know, go on like that through every line of the script. And let me tell you, for a 30-minute script, which I was doing... <laughs> 30 minutes, wow. Recently for a channel called Screen Rant, which didn't last very long. Oh, yeah. Um, the studio in Canada let me go, so... 
But they just didn't start up, or they just, you know, they just decided no, they, to cut you for no reason. What was the story? Do, they were going to do a documentary series of videos, you know, like inside the mind of Quentin Tarantino and all this kind of thing, and they wanted me to do the documentary style. Hmm. And um, admittedly, the pay wasn't great. It was a bit of a source of contention because um, I sort of go by the uh, Equity Union, which is the Australian sort of arts union. Yeah. And I like their rates, and a lot of people, they're a bit high for just talking into a microphone. You know, but it's your livelihood. You know, your voice is making people money. That's right, and they're making you money too. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Mm. When, you, when, you, when you get the work, <laughs> you know, you're, you know, you're getting a bit of money. But um, so they were, they were charging me like $60, this Canadian studio. Oh, which, wow. okay. Which is terrible. But they're charging you. They charged you. Shouldn't it be the other way around? That's no, so, um, no, sorry. Yeah. Oh, my apologies. Oh, that's okay. Uh, I was just a bit confused. I thought, hang on. I thought they employed you. Uh, yeah, they, they said the yeah. rate is sixty dollars. Oh. I couldn't make my own rate. Oh, they get that was the rate they they offered. Okay, yeah. sure. And oh, not much. So much. I actually said I actually said to someone for Screen Rant who the who was you know using the studio for production. I said that's a low rate for voice yeah, actors. That's so. an insult. That's like, don't don't waste my time. That's called <laughs> payment erosion here. Yeah, pretty much. But of course, I. Part of me, I, I did a couple of scripts because I thought, you know what? Even if I can just get one on YouTube, you know, it'd be so good for the demo reel. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and and you've got something for the voice reel. So if you're happy to, you know, yeah. you take a bit of a pay cut, you know, for the longer term, for the long yeah, term, which, it'll probably be which worth I'm, it. Which I'm never going to do again. No. Um, I learned a lot from that. A bit of a mistake. I read actually read a post from Abby on that recently, and she was talking about pay erosion. She said, take your good rates. Be, you know, be true to yourself. Yeah. Value Take yourself what, highly. Yep. Yeah, value yeah. yourself. Not, you know, obviously not arrogant. I can be a bit arrogant sometimes, admittedly. <laughs> but, but, um, so the studio, so I did these three scripts for the studios. One I had to redo because I had a few technical problems with the old Mac. Yeah. And I was just in the processing, just in the process of doing that and reading Abby's post. And literally 10 minutes later, I get an email. Hi, Michael. I've got some sad news. Valnet, the studio, the studio in Canada decided to let you go. Huh. Um, we've, we're, we're dropping the documentary style. Please stop recording the following scripts. Um, <laughs> what was it? Quentin Tarantino and Zach Schneider. Okay. And it shocked me a bit. I mean, I I wasn't enjoying the big, long scripts, but it was sort of like, oh, that's out of the blue. Did you? Um, so how much of the scripts did you end up reading? I re- I recorded three scripts. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> three thirty-minute scripts. scripts. Now, Goodness. To to record the script takes a long time. Oh, of course, especially with reader. with yourself as well with the reader. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And then editing, editing's the harder part. Oh yeah. So do you? So someone else ed- edits it for you? I no, I no. I do all the editing. How does um, how do you do that? I have a program called Armadeus Pro on the Mac. Okay. Yeah. They call it the Swiss Army Knife, and it, they've made it accessible with VoiceOver, the screen reader. Oh, wow, that's excellent. So a lot of it's all keyboard. So if I have um if I have a script like if I say um um this is Melbourne last week. <sighs> la 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 flow um uh so I go through with the arrows mm-hmm. and move what's called the playhead through the text and go, This is podcast this week. <sighs> get the breath with the markers, cut it out. Yeah. Get rid of every little um, uh, mouth click. Yep, everything. Noise. Yep. yep. It took hours for thirty minutes to oh, get it right. Could imagine. Jeez. And to to be to be let off like to be let go like that was like, oh, and oh, I only got one. Shock. 
crappy little paycheck for that. Yeah. For three scripts and at least, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. For me to read the script um, with a few, I have a, a break. I, don't, I try and break it up. Probably takes about two hours. Yeah. Wow. I thought editing my podcast episodes was <laughs> was very yeah, intense. And, I didn't really. Yeah, I could imagine it's probably much harder for you. Well, not. I mean, once you get, I was getting better. I mean, I was getting quicker after each script because I was learning the things that, you know, you learn the things that. You learn what you're editing out, so you actually learn to stop doing them. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn like uh, one thing I've tried to learn and I'm working on is not breathing, going <gasps> straight after the sentence, like going da 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 dum, which gives you a nice little margin before the next one. Yeah, that's right. And there's a bit of a break, and it's easier for editing yeah. as well. Yeah, and there's a bit of a break. And, yeah. um So I thought, oh, I've done all that editing, which took me about four hours to make sure that every little click was gone. Yeah. Make sure it all flowed, which is key because I read in blocks. Yeah. So it all has to sound nice. Like it can't go, Rick Moranis wrote The Little Shop of Horrors in the da-da-da-dum, da-da-da-da-da-dum. Hmm. It's got to be Rick Moranis wrote The Little Shop of Horrors, da-da-da-da-dum, da-da-da-da-da. So you've got to edit that and make sure it's all together. Yeah, as if you're saying it in one hit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and it is a, that is a challenge. I'm still working on that. I'm still... I mean, I'm always improving anyway, but um, so yeah, it was a bit of a shock. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I got to say, I was kind of relieved, and I, I really shouldn't have, but I left with a bit of a broadside. Okay. I wrote to the person who laid me off, and I said, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm thank you, I'm, I respect your decision, but I must say that uh, the studio's payment of the voice actors is absolutely ridiculous, and I think you should improve that." Yeah, definitely. Not that it, not that they ever responded, but no. I, I had to. And then I, I went onto social media, and I probably shouldn't have. I went on a bit of a rant about their low pay. You went on a rant about Screen Rant. Yeah, went on a rant. <laughs> about, well, not so much Screen Rant, more about the studio that were running the channels because they have a few channels. Yeah. Um, I took it down. I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, well, I won't do that again. But mm. I was just, you know, I went on Facebook and put a status to my friends and, you know, the pay's crap, you know. Um, yeah, no, I won't. I won't do and it again. Maybe, Not maybe the the wrong the wrong person will read it, and you know that yeah. might affect your career down the line, or or um, maybe potential producers might say, "Oh, is this is this what Michael's yeah. like if it doesn't go his way?" You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I, look, I I, go to, I get a bit annoyed when things don't go my way. I mean, I'm very impatient. Yeah. I like things my way, and sometimes I do run off at the mouth, and I'm. Yeah, but sometimes you should keep things to yourself, right, for the sake yeah. of your career. <laughs> but um, I'll just message my good friends instead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just tell them privately. Yeah. How you feel? I need to have a bit of a rant. But even my brother Paul, you know, who was upset for me. You know, he's he's in the corporate world. He's like, Mark, you've got to take that post down. Yeah. You know, it's I know I know you're angry, but you've got to take that post down. What if someone sees it? Yeah. You know, what if it gets back? Then what if they spread it around? So I sort of I just took it down. And, yeah, I better take it down. Yeah. Wow. Well, what what an incredible story. There was like, there was a lot that you unpacked, which I didn't expect. Like you, you've gone through so much adversity and, 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 and it's great how you're actually doing what you want to do and you're not letting anything, you know, phase oh. you and you, you, your resilience has paid off handsomely for you. Well, I've got a thing. Um, I don't, I don't have a lot of maxims and things, but basically you know, the worst thing anyone can tell me is you can't do something. Yeah. And um, I'm very, very stubborn and determined uh, when I when I want to be and um, like I will like if a program breaks down and everyone will say just give up go to another one I'll sit there for six hours trying the same thing yeah 
or reading up and trying, no, I'm going to fix this. Michael, it's not going to work. Just give up. Go and, to another mm -hmm. one. No, yeah. I'm not doing that. I want this program. Like with the new Mac, you know, everyone's saying, Michael, you know, it might be cheaper to go to Windows. Yeah, and the National Disability Insurance Scheme will actually fund the JAWS screen reader because the Macs have got them built in, so they don't yeah. fund that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I find, yeah, but I, I find that also, like, coming from a podcast and voiceover perspective as well, like, I've done a bit of voiceover work in the past as well. I found Macs to be easier for editing and, and recording. Macs are better with audio. Yeah, audio, uh, they're 100% better, yeah. I stick with Macs for my audio. Yep. Yeah. Way better. And, yeah. you know, people, yeah, it might be cheaper, but I'm, I'm sorry, I want a Mac. Yeah, that's right. I'm not going to Windows. No, I'm no. not a mind. I'm determined. And obviously I'm going to knock on knock on wood. It it looks to have it looks like I'm on the right track. I'm just knocking on wood here because I don't like talking too soon. Um I mm. have this real superstition. If you talk too much about something, it's going to go poof <laughs> and go down and yeah, I'm very stubborn. Probably probably sometimes pig headed, I yeah. think most people would call it. Yeah. And I'm happy to wear that little moniker. Yeah, why not? Well you've gone through so much. So But you know, why but not? You know what? Anyone I you know, if I could give some advice to anyone. Yeah. Or how about anyone in particular with a I guess a disability who wants anyone, to do something that you do? You know what? If you think you can have a go at it, have a go at it. Who cares what if people laugh at you or say, Oh, you know, if people that you need to talk to go, oh, there's many obstacles that we don't think we can employ you, show them, explain it to them. I, I explained to people about a Triple J lady named Naz Campanella. Oh, yeah, she was, um, she's blind as well, the blind uh, news presenter. Yeah, yeah. Blind, she uses a screen where it has an earpiece in and reads the news. Yeah, yeah. And she she's astounding. I'd love to talk Oh, to she's her. fantastic. You wouldn't think, you know, oh. the way the way she reads it, I have heard her in the past. The way she yeah. reads it, you wouldn't think she's blind. I don't know she was blind until they uh, I read a news article on the ABC about her about 2 3 years ago. Yeah, I did not know I, she was I, blind. I didn't did not, that not same know. Article. Would never have, she used the Yeah. She uses the jaw screen reader on Windows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is a good screen reader itself. Yeah, sure. I've got to say I've used it as well and you know she'll, you know, the, the, the Prime Minister of Haiti says blah, blah, blah. The Prime Minister of Haiti, it's amazing. I'd mm. love to practice and get that good. But, mm. you know, if you've just got to show people, even if you, even if you, you know, go in and talk to them. And if they don't, and if they still don't want to support you in what you're doing, you just keep looking because there'll always be someone yeah. that's going to want to, at least for their own, even for, even if it's sort of for their own, you know, oh, maybe I, I probably need to give this person a go. And you know what? If you're not good at it, well, you know, that's – if you're not good at it, you're not good at it. But if you think – if you want to have a shot at it, if you think you've got something and if you believe that you should be able to have a shot at something, go and have a go at it. Yeah, just do it. And at least – and you know what? Don't be afraid to, you know, be nice about it, but don't just let it go. Don't don't let the first knock back. I was a bit like that and – you know, knockbacks, especially when I didn't get auditions at first, I get really upset. I took it personally, but unfortunately, you've got to roll with it sometimes. Yeah, you have to, and you lose more than you win in life. Yep. So you got to just roll with it, and whatever yep. you do get, you embrace it and you make the most with yep. it. Yeah. And if you get something, God's sake, run with it. Yeah, that's right. Just run with it. Yeah. And excellent I'll give advice. Another piece, and I want to give another piece of advice to anyone who's in voice acting or starting. <laughs> like myself. Talk, well, and I talk to everyone because I'm fairly new at this. I'm not like an Abby Holmes who's the best in her field. No, she's a master. Yep. Yeah. And I really, I really like her a lot. Yeah. Don't let anyone 
stomp on don't let anyone go are oh, you only talking for two minutes in a microphone i'm only going to give you twenty dollars yeah don't don't let them don't let them undersell your achievements no because they don't also take into account the editing the time to record all those takes yep and the getting voicing. everything prepared uh there's so much to there's so much to go behind it i mean a two-minute clip could probably take you two hours to put together Yep, and, yeah, but, and more. I mean, I mean, okay. Try not to go overboard, and I did that at the beginning. Try yeah. not to, don't inflate yourself too much, mm. but just make sure that you, you know, go and read. You know, for those in Australia, go and have a look at equity and read their rate cards and documents. You know, the MEAA, I think, is their official name. Yeah, that's right. I've heard of them. Yeah, yep. yeah. Go and read them because you'll learn a lot, and just, just, just have a go at it. And if you get knocked back. If you really want to do it, just keep plugging away. You're probably going to get less work than auditions. I don't mean to sound negative. It's probably going to be the case. Mm. But you just got to keep plugging away at it. That's there was many right. times I've wanted to leave the voice realm because I haven't got anything because sometimes I get into announcer mode and mm. they want these really laid back kind of scripts and I struggle with that. Yeah. But just keep at it. Keep at it. And that's excellent advice to finish up on, mate. Yep. Yeah. Hey, just to, to sign off, uh, would you mind giving me some of your uh, favourite voices? I'd love to hear well, how many you can do. Like, how many you like? Well, um, <clears throat> my first voice, I love doing the old gentleman expression. <laughs> so, you know, like I have two old, I have two old, I, I Philip, he's an old bloke in the nurse name. <laughs> and we have Bill in the next bed over. <laughs> and they talk about, hey, Bill. Eh? What do you reckon about this New Zealand Prime Minister, eh, Bill? I don't know, Bill. I didn't have lady Prime Ministers when I was growing up. It was Bob Menzies in Australia and Mr. Fraser in World War II in New Zealand. I don't think you'd see that. But I love doing old people. Old ladies as well. That's another fun one. Oh, that's that's a good one. Wow. You, Used to love Colleen in Home and Away, Lynn Colling. Yoo-hoo, only me. Just come to get the mail, Pippa or Reese or Shelley or anyone who's around. Uh, but um, another, I, like, I love doing, you know, those newsreaders, especially the modern one, because they crack me up. It's like, yeah, it's breaking news from Melbourne. I'm standing outside a massive factory fire. Everything is just overemphasised. It's just amazing. Yeah. And the flames are 50 foot high. Oh, what is going to happen, Cindy? Keep us in touch with this massive fire out of control at the factory. And now, coming up next on the show, what did they say on Married at First Sight that caused a massive brawl? <laughs> That's pretty much commercial television. You've it got is, it, you've got it down. It is. <laughs> everything is breaking news. Oh, of course it is. That is the... Op- Breaking news from Melbourne. A man caught scratching his nose has brought Flinders Street Station to a grinding halt <laughs> after his scratch was mistaken for a gang sign. Uh, the station was brought and like the deep movie tone trailer voice. You know, like the trailers for those American films. Uh, you know the ones. Or the American documentaries like, um, and they always say, The Nazis in 44. The Allies land at Normandy. What will Adolf Hitler do about the menace of Allied attack? Oh, man, I could do this all night. 
and and one more. There used to be this guy. Yeah. This with this guy on CI Channel, which Crime and Investigation Australia on Foxtel. Oh yeah, yeah. He's sort of America's most wanted. And the police shows like, this scumbag is running off in his car, but he should know the police are waiting at the other side. <laughs> oh yeah, I've heard that one many times. It's just the funniest thing, and. You know, the, the old BBC movie town newsreels are another favourite of mine. The king and queen stand next to the prime minister as he reviews troops for the front in the 9th Division in 1941. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, just a, that's just a snapshot of what I do. Oh, you, you are amazing. Thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you. Very kind. Michael Marshall, thank you so much for being with me tonight. You have such an amazing story, and I'm glad that you've overcome everything and you're doing what you love. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks to you all for listening, and hopefully I'm hopefully I become world famous and <laughs> become a diva, and this carpet is not velvet. <laughs> you and me both, hopefully. Yep. <laughs> thanks, Michael. Thank you. That was in Melbourne last week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm always looking for guests, so if you're doing something extraordinary and you wish to share it on the podcast, be sure to send me an email at inmelbournelastweek at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Links to those are in the show notes. You can find In Melbourne Last Week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts. See you next time with another episode with another special guest. Take care. (laughs) 